Now, this is the moment you've been waiting for. The nominated are for the best motion picture of the year. And from an abundance of excellence, we have nominated. Well, we come now to the final award of the evening, the one for best picture. And here are the nominees for best picture of the year. When we're at the movies, we're not alone. And the Oscar goes to. And the Oscar goes to. This seemed like a better idea in rehearsal. Welcome to Nominated. I am your host, Haley, and this week my guest is Gates. Hello. The host of his very own podcast, the oh. Two Meters Apart podcast. Well, thank you for the plug. I did not oh. expect that. <laughs> oh. Are you kidding me? Of course I'm going to plug your podcast. I love listening to it. Oh, thank you. Yeah. It's, been a, it's been a pretty interesting thing to be producing kind of on my own during quarantine. Yeah. So it's keeping me busy. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. We, um, just before we started recording, we both said like, oh yeah, we started the thing during quarantine and, uh, we don't know where it's going to end up, but that's okay. Exactly. <laughs> it's open-ended at this point. Pretty much. So, uh, when I asked Gates to, uh, be a guest on my podcast, I asked him if there was any specific year of movies that he's particularly attached to. Um, and pretty much right away you were like, 2015 is a really big year for me and Spotlight is one of my favorite movies, mm -hmm. which um, if anyone saw my Instagram post, I uh, completely misinterpreted. <laughs> so oh, I'll, tell you, I love that. I'll, I'll tell you quickly what happened. I, uh, I confused Spotlight and Moonlight. Okay. Which that of course is... were back-to-back -back winners. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's very confusing kind of when I watched both of those Oscar um Oscar shows just because oh, wow. they're very very similar when it came to the name. I'm like, are these the same movies? Just well, and then and then everyone was just confused at the uh, 2017 Oscars. Yeah, and then poor like, Warren Beatty. Yeah, you throw you throw everything out the window at that point. <laughs> so I'm gonna just open it up to you, Gates. Which movie do you want to start with? Oh wow. Um. No, well, our... so, uh, full disclosure, I have not watched every movie that was nominated um for this year but uh i did watch two of the movies that i had not watched previously so i think uh watching one of the or discussing one of those two first just because yeah. they're the most fresh they're the most um, fresh yeah so i think maybe brooklyn is probably a good one to start with that was yeah your... let's start with brooklyn yeah, okay the most recent one that i watched so and it's also totally fine that you didn't watch all of them because uh my friend tom also did not watch all of the movies <laughs> And we discovered during recording that he watched three and was not aware that there were five movies. Oh, no. <laughs> so that went really well. <laughs> that must have been a great discussion. <laughs> uh, it was good. He'd at least seen one of the two that he didn't watch. So he's like, oh, yeah, I'm aware of it. Okay, that's perfect. So Brooklyn is a romantic historical drama. It was released on the 6th of November, 2015. Um Although it did release at Sundance Film Festival on on the 26th of January, so a little bit earlier in the year. Okay. It is produced by Amanda Posey and Finola Dwyer. It's based on the book Brooklyn by, whoa, this is a nice Irish name. I was going to say, there's a lot of Irish in this. <laughs> Colm Toibin? I know that's wrong. I'm not even going to try to... Yeah, no, that's... the Irish, uh, Celtic spellings put accents in weird places that I don't know what to do with. 
<laughs> it was produced by BBC Films, Telefilm Canada, Irish Film Board, Sodec, BFI, Wild Gaze Film, Finola Dwyer Productions, Parallel Films, Item 7, Ingenious, BAI, RTE, and Hanway Films. Obviously, a lot of people got together and made this one. Mm, it's quite the list. <laughs> yeah. The screenplay is by Nick Hornby. It was directed by John Crowley. It's starring Cherche Ronan, Domhnall Gleeson, Emery Cohen, Jim Broadbent, and Julie Waters. The music is by Michael Brook. Cinematogra cinematography by Yves Belanger. Edited by Jake Roberts. Uh, and it runs 112 minutes. So it's actually the shortest of the movies we watched this time around. Okay. So it takes place in the early 1950s. A lovely young Irish woman named uh, Eilish is kind of uh, not, going a, not going anywhere fast in <laughs> Ireland. And her sister manages to arrange for her to move to Brooklyn, New York, and uh, kind of start a new life. She eventually finds a man, falls in love, secretly gets married, and then is forced to return to Ireland for a brief period of time because, unfortunately, her sister passes away. Uh, and the movie doesn't go into detail about what specifically the disease was, but that it was kind of a slow burn and then uh, mm -hmm. a very quick end, which was quite sad. I cried a little bit. Uh, and then Eilish is coerced by just about everybody in her little Irish town that she should be staying in Ireland. She should not be returning to Brooklyn. Uh, in the end, however, she does return to Brooklyn and to her husband. It's a, very, it's a very sweet movie. Yeah. I, uh, I didn't think I was going to like this movie to be perfectly honest. <laughs> um Okay, I'm not going to lie. At first, when I started watching it, I had started the movie Lady Bird, and then I stopped it for some reason. And then I, you know, you came up with uh, the idea of, you know, doing this this podcast. And I was like, oh, I think I've seen one of those movies. And then <laughs> I started Brooklyn, and I'm like, wait, this is not the same movie. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. <laughs> Very different. Uh, yeah, I think, like, like you said, it's, uh, you know, it's... It's what I, for me, like, it's one of those movies that really kind of defines what home is. And, like, it's a very, very loose definition of what, what home is. Um, I don't know. There's there's so many themes of, you know, staying kind of where you're rooted versus exploring, you know, off on your own. And, you know, I, I thought that, in all honesty, she wasn't going to make it. Um, mm. when she, uh, when she first moved to Brooklyn and you kind of saw that with the yeah. first, I guess it was like the first month of her, uh, yeah. stay there. You know, she was, um, trying to, trying to find her way with work and just with her, her boarding, um, roommates. Um, and it just seemed like, you know what, screw it. I'm just going to go back home sort of deal. Yeah. Like I'm going to finish out my visa and then I'm just going to leave. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, she was, um. I think she really just wanted to go because her her sister put in so much work for her to to get there, um, and I think she just wanted to fulfill that. Yeah. And then she ended up really just like growing in like on her own, finding her own like place there, and ended up, you know, I guess loving it at the end of at the end of it, finding love. Um, yeah, it's it it was interesting to me that the story was so focused on 
Um, and, and I say this as a very jaded and like non-romantic person. I'm like, <laughs> oh, just because she found a man, she was suddenly like at home and at ease. But mm-hmm. I, I actually, I do get that because you move somewhere, you know, absolutely nobody. Right. You don't understand the culture that you've come into and someone takes the time to listen to you and to understand you mm-hmm. and you develop a romance out of that. That that really is very calming, very beautiful, and it's it's very settling. No, for sure. And kind of the way it evolved as well. I don't know about you, but I really liked that character, Tony. Uh, I love Tony. I know. He was so he came off like, you know, with this this boyish charm and you just really the minute you meet him on screen, you just did not get, well, I didn't get any sort of negative vibes from him. Yeah, he kind of like crashed an Irish dance, him being Italian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so kind of not not in the norm for, for <laughs> him. Um, but just the way he was such a gentleman and you could just tell he was smitten, like immediately. Yeah, like right off the bat. It was, I, it was I hilarious. Was, <laughs> I was initially worried, I'll be honest, because I, I saw him like looking over at her and I was like, does he think she's going to be an easy target? Like, and mm-hmm. and it's unfortunate that this is how I think as a woman in the 21st century, I'm like, <laughs> Oh no, you gotta be careful. Cause like, just because he's looking at you and he seems really sweet, he could be nefarious. He could be like, just looking for a one night stand. That's not good. All of this stuff. Right. And that's, um, that's fair. Very fair. Yeah. Yeah. Like when, when I am, <laughs> well, I don't go out to clubs right now, but when I was going out to dance and stuff like that, I definitely, that was one thing I was considering like, okay, this guy's looking at me. Is this something I, like, first of all, am I attracted to him? Second of all, am I weirded out? Being a woman's hard. <laughs> hey. Um, to your point about uh, an Italian guy crashing the Irish dance, mm-hmm. I, I actually had it in my notes. It's This was definitely a time, and this happened in Canada too, where people were immigrating and they were deciding, do they want to assimilate themselves into this new culture that is much more mixed together you you're not as you're not as separated as like we're all irish here no there's you have one irish neighbor you've got a dutch neighbor and the three of you get together and you enjoy whiskey and beer together or something like that right and so it's it it was an interesting time where there was kind of one faction of society that was expecting everybody to stay within their own culture or their um their heritage mm-hmm. and then there were others who were like no let's just all be together and tony right. was definitely one of the latter no for sure and that that kind of encompasses the entire theme of of the the movie right had she stayed in ireland um you know she she would have had to just kind of stay with her her own culture and not really branch out and see how big the world really is whereas you know jumping on a ship and you know uh sailing over to brooklyn brooklyn is at the, i guess at the time very very mixed when it comes to you know the uh the population yeah and, and it, it it was the height of um irish immigration mm-hmm. uh to the states like just after a lot of massive constructions had finished you had a lot of irish immigrants who came afterwards it was like the the grandchildren of the construction immigrants right which is, it's a whole other thing. <laughs> it could be its own movie, for sure. Yeah, it's so um, true. I, I like how they they went this way with, you know, very, very simple, like, you know, mm-hmm. romantic feel. It's, it's, for me, it was definitely like a feel-good movie. Yes. And then, and then the middle hit 
because I oh. did not see that coming in all honesty. Yeah. Um, like a part of me kind of felt like as a, as the, the first half of the movie was progressing, I was like, this seems very like it seems too good to be true. I know. Right. <laughs> I'm like, there has to be something like that that goes horribly wrong or just, you know, something happens. Maybe I'm I'm just not thinking Tony is, you know, the, the, the greatest guy or whatever. Something happens to to Ailish, and it's like, nope, her sister comes down with something. And yeah, you don't know it, what it is, and she just dies, and you're like, what the hell? Yeah, yeah, it's like everything is going so lovely. Also, your sister's dead, and you have to go back to Ireland now. Oh my gosh! And you um, know, like correspondence is you know via via letters. It's like super hard to get news right away. Yeah, so have her having to hear it from from the the father. It yeah. was like, man, this is so heartbreaking now. I'm like, I feel for this. <laughs> yeah, it, oh, just, it's just crushing because her sister really, um, like, was the one who believed in her the most. And then, of course, she comes back to Ireland and everybody is trying to convince her to stay. Let me just say, I'm sure her mother is a lovely woman. Mm -hmm. Yes. But the fact that every, like, every other scene when Eilish is talking about how she needs to go back to Brooklyn, mm -hmm. her mom is like, well, I have nobody. I'll be alone then. Yeah, and, kind, of, kind of guilt tripping her a little bit, right? Well, and that's a... My understanding is that can be a very Irish thing. There was also... I had this moment where I was just like, Eilish, why don't you just bring your mother to Brooklyn? Yeah. Like, what, what else is she going to do? Yeah, exactly. But maybe she wasn't interested in moving, so who knows? Yeah, I think she was so deeply rooted and like mm. at, at the beginning of the movie, uh, I think her sister's name was Rose, right? I believe that was yeah. her sister's yeah. name. Yeah, Rose and Eilish. Yeah, I think I think they had they Rose and Eilish had a conversation saying that, you know, most Irish mothers kind of just stay in Ireland. Mm. Um, they don't really feel like, you know, going anywhere new or whatnot. I can't remember the exact conversation or how yeah. it went, but that was sort of the tone, and it it you know it they came back to it essentially later on in the movie when it when it came to their own mother for me when Ailish finally like confessed to her mother that you know she was actually married already mm -hmm. which is a good thing that she told her rather oh than oh my that, god yes that, that hag old lady <laughs> <laughs> nettles nettles kelly nettles, that's right nettles <laughs> nettles kelly that was her name um yeah it's a good thing that she told her but um, I don't know. It just, it just hurt me a little bit to kind of see her, mm. her mother be like, all right, well, this is the last time I'm going to say bye to you. Kind yeah, of. Yeah. I'm never going to see you again. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that, uh, you're not even opening the door for her. It, uh, yeah. it just shows how, and I'm like, close minded is a very strong term for that, but that's kind of how she came across to me. I would say short sighted is a little better, but yeah. That's much better than close mind. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, she uh, she's totally one of those people that couldn't see past the end of her own nose. It was what mm. is immediately around me and that is it. Right. And and there's nothing wrong with that. That's just how it is sometimes. No, for sure. One of the interesting things that I noticed like almost right off the bat in this movie was just the color of the costumes. Oh, man. It was so rich. Even Even though the Irish generally were wearing like drab blue and like mm. um i i would call it cow brown uh, <laughs> it, well it, but it is um, <laughs> they're not wearing particularly interesting colors it's still like as you watched um alish 
just become more and more American. Mm-hmm. And like the moment where she's walking down the road in the little town and she's wearing her sunglasses. Yes. She looked completely <sighs> out of place. Yeah. She did not was, fit. Yeah. That was her identity at that point. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, this, this movie really was able to bring all of those elements together. This is one of those movies that to me, the music didn't stand out. It was like, I didn't notice it, but that's also, that's a good thing in a lot of ways is like, I, if you don't notice the music, that means it's doing its job. Right. You're totally immersed in the story. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those, uh, those visuals, you, you brought up a really good point. Yeah. The, the, it seems so muted when you go, when, when all the scenes that took place in Ireland, it seemed very, you know, very muted, very, I guess, traditional or whatnot. And then I remember you jogged my memory. I remember <laughs> the scene of um, when Tony takes um, Ailish to Coney Island, I think, for the hmm. first time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She had no idea that she had to wear a bathing suit. Like, like, bathing clothes. It's like she's like changing in the middle. I, I found that really funny, that scene. Um, but and then, then, and then the yeah. callback to it when mm-hmm. she's yes. in Ireland with her friends and they're all like, awkwardly changing with yeah. their towels like trying not to reveal anything and she just like takes her skirt off yep and she's there and she's wearing that like light green like bathing suit and she just she, she was just so prominent and it just shows how even to this day how like big america really is mm. uh, compared to these like you know these smaller you know islands and whatnot but um i thought that was a really like really yeah. cool theme uh to see the the contrast really yes yeah they they put it out there really really well it was it was refreshing in a way for sure that like she didn't go home and was just as she was before she she, she grew and maintained that growth and continued to be herself yes absolutely and she you know she stood she stood by it for sure and she stood by her and tony like mm-hmm. at the end too when she was, you know, almost being blackmailed and was like, that, no, that yeah. I, I am married. This is who I am. I'm an American. <laughs> and also, I love the name Ailish Fiorello. Oh, it's a beautiful name. Like, like I liked, I liked her, her, her maiden name, but yeah. it's a beautiful Italian last name. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's, and it's an amazing first name, too. Yes. I've oh. never, I don't think I've ever heard or seen that name to be Eilish. honest before before watching this movie so yeah well um i i've said this in other episodes i keep discovering all these like archaic names that i really want to name my children right uh, <laughs> so i'm gonna have like unfortunate children's name like mortimer or something like that <laughs> that's an awesome name what are you talking about i love those it is a great names. name but like could you imagine first grade <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> a little Mortimer Malant running around. <laughs> hey, it's better than some of these names that celebrities and stuff are That's naming true. for kids. Yes, so. it will always be better than Apple. Okay, um, let's move on. I am just going to arbitrarily pick Mad Max Fury Road. Okay, uh, perfect. Because it just happened to be the one that was next on my page. Awesome. <laughs> uh, I, think that, I think that was the second one that I watched then because I did okay. I watched Brooklyn at like eight in the morning and I totally <laughs> forgot what time it was because it just sucked me in. It was beautiful. It was a great movie. <laughs> Anyways. So uh, Mad Max Fury Road is a post-apocalyptic action film. It was released uh, May 14th, 2015 in Australia. 
It is produced by Doug Mitchell, George Miller, and PJ Voatin. It was written by George Miller, Brendan McCarthy, Nico Lathorius, and it was directed by George Miller. It stars Tom Hardy, Charlize Theron, Nicholas Holt, Hugh Keysburn, Rosie Huntington Whiteley, Riley Keough, Zoe Kravitz, Abby Lee, and Courtney Eaton. The music was by Tom Holkenberg, aka Junkie XL. Cinematography by John Seal. Edited by Margaret Sixel. Sixel? I think it's Sixel. And it runs 120 minutes. It was also, I forgot to mention this with Brooklyn. Um, all of these movies were nominated for quite a few awards. Right. So Mad Max specifically was Best Director, uh, Best Cinematography, Best Film Editing, Best Production Design, Best Costume Design, Best Makeup, Best Visual Effects, Best Sound Mixing, and Best Sound Editing. Um, and it, it actually won most of those with the exception of Best Picture, Best Director, and Best Makeup and Hairstyling, and Best Cinematography. Oh. So a lot of the like um, technical aspects of mm-hmm. this movie were getting awards, total, <laughs> which is... Totally deserved, in my opinion. Absolutely, <laughs> yes. <laughs> How do you summarize Mad Max? <laughs> so the apocalypse has happened. The Earth is full of radiation. There are only certain tribes that survive... One man is captured by them. He is turned into a slave. And while he is attempting to figure out how to escape, a driver, uh, Imperator Furiosa, she decides that instead of completing her mission, she is going to free the head of the tribe's favorite wives. Mm -hmm. Eventually, Max, played by Tom Hardy, is able to escape and join up with them. And uh, it's an action movie, so there's a lot of like dramatic action scenes. Oh, and yeah. <laughs> fortunately, in the end, the women win. Hooray! <laughs> <laughs> and, and they get to make their own story. There's a, there's a lot more details that happen, but it's kind of like you'd get into the weeds if I try to talk about it much oh, more. Oh, sure. I feel like this, this movie was a lot deeper than a lot of people realize. But... Now, for I, me, I'm, it's like a huge action film. <laughs> sorry, I keep trying to cut you off. I apologize. Okay. What I want to ask first is, have you ever seen any of the other Mad Max films? So I watched uh, Beyond Thunderdome, but that was a very long time ago. So <laughs> when this when this movie came out, it was like, hey, should I just rewatch Beyond Thunderdome? So then I'm kind of like on the same page and I just never got around to it. I kind of just watched <laughs> Mad Max. Fun fact... This movie came out um, the week of my birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, so my friends, <clears throat> excuse me, my friends thought it'd be a good idea to do a double feature at the theaters uh, that that week. What was the other movie? So we decided to contrast Mad Max with Pitch Perfect 2. <laughs> that, that we watched. <laughs> um, so it was quite the... Uh, <laughs> Uh, quite the uh, contrast of movies. Um, Amazing. I'm pretty sure we started with Pitch Perfect 2 and we were like, oh, what a great movie. Just like just like the first one, we could all sing along. We got dinner and then we strapped in for this. And I was like, <laughs> why didn't we just watch this twice? This movie's crazy. <laughs> yes. 
So I, I know I have watched all of the Mad Max movies because nice. when, when this came out, I was like, oh, I want to make sure that I watch the ones that came before it, even though it's not really connected. It's uh it's a reimagining or right. revisiting. Okay. But I was like, oh no, I, I'm that person who wants to read the book first before I go mm -hmm. see the movie. And then I never read the book. <laughs> <laughs> you just jump right in there. You're like, no, so I just, so I just don't, so I just don't see either of them. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I, I definitely watched them and I remember hating them. I was so angry oh. when I finished watching the first Mad Max because I was like, nothing happened. What? <laughs> nobody grew. Nobody mm -hmm. like, okay, his wife and child are dead. But like, what did he do about it? He killed a bunch of people. It, right. it, it, like at least John Wick, it's like mm. there is the good the reasoning behind it and he's right. like i am specifically going to get revenge over this but it was just like max is just driving around and he just killed anyone he could and he tried so hard to get the bad guy and then he didn't get the bad guy <laughs> he didn't do it <laughs> i just i was so angry so frustrated <laughs> i will say mad max fury road made up for a lot of that for say, me. It's, a, it's a redeeming movie <laughs> yes it's first of all on those technical accolades it mm -hmm. is visually stunning it blew my socks off i, oh, I you could have you could have muted it and just shown me just the visuals and that would have been good enough in all honesty yeah it uh it was really like obviously a lot of it is cgi and that's mm -hmm. fine i can live with that but like just start with the makeup that they had to put on all of them. So you've got the war boys yeah. who are basically pale mm -hmm. with, with their paint on their foreheads. And then everyone's got radiation. Yeah. Uh, half the people have tattoos, like just incredible work to, to really get you into this. Um, uh, <laughs> oh, Sorry, what was his name? Um, the oh, fuck, where is he? The dude, the oh, Immortan oh, Joe, Morton Joe, right? The big dude. Oh, <laughs> his like Dr. Pimple Popper level of like <laughs> pustules, so gross. Oh, but the theme so well. Like, I was like, you need to have this grody looking dude. Yes. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna base your movie in a radiated world, right? In a Mad Max, yes. you know, sort of umbrella. Man, these these visuals are so like the 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 chase scenes, the the vehicles that were used. I still have the ingrained image of the dude on the guitar. Um, junkie XL. Yeah. It's or maybe that's I think that's Iota, pardon me. A junkie XL did the music, but Iota was the uh, guitarist is un unbelievable just to yeah. to see the the level of visuals that they they reached for was just mind-blowing to me like again i haven't seen this movie i think since it came out but even just talking about it it brings back all of these memories of just how unbelievable that's yeah visual the makeup costumes and all that is like man <laughs> it was a great great movie just on yeah. those accolades absolutely um, I mean, the the story is weak. Like it's it's certainly not trying to be. It's not trying to be groundbreaking, but it's 
and I, I don't want to say like, oh, well, it's an action movie, so we can give it a pass. But it does work very hard to keep that story throughout. It doesn't abandon the story at any point. Like, I was cheering for them at oh, different moments. Once, once I figured out what was going on with Furiosa, I was like, yeah, yeah, let's do this. Come on. Got to get there. She's I believe such, in you. She was such a badass character. One of the strongest female representations of a lead I think I've seen in a very yes. long time. Charlize Theron like killed that role um and yeah you could just see that you know kind of from the beginning there were like ulterior motives but like behind her and you know that she wanted to kind of distance herself from that whole Morton Joe sort of deal mm-hmm. um but you know in like typical Mad Max fashion you get you get thrown for a loop a little bit and now she's you know jailbreaking essentially the wives of this guy yes and Again, the wives is a is not the correct turn, but that's okay. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I'm not. I'm, that's that's not on you. That's um, uh, just bad bad words. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> but, um, no, no, it's more it's more a comment on uh, Immortan Joe. Oh, fair. Um, but you can see even the contrast of how how they looked compared to how everyone else looked. I think everyone else is all like emaciated or you know like super pale or you just you know have the whole road warrior thing and then you see them for the first time and they're they're just these like immaculate beings they're basically angelic yeah pretty much and you know morton joe did everything to kind of keep them that way yeah um you know to have that perfect i guess what bloodline i don't know (laughs) yeah well but that's that's exactly what it is is he um he believed that he like had the divine right to rule, and so he needed to have as many children, preferably sons, as possible from the most beautiful women, mm-hmm. which is like fine. Pretty, pretty messed up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll it's, it. It, yeah, it's one of those things that like I could get angry about it, but it's really not worth it. No, for sure. <laughs> uh, and that was that was another thing that I don't I don't necessarily dislike about the movie, but. I feel like Mad Max or Max, I guess, was really a secondary character for me. Yes. Um, Furiosa really commanded the movie. And it was really, in, from the beginning, for me, her movie. Yes. Um, I think they really just, you know, painted it with the, the Mad Max background under the umbrella. And, you know, he if he was completely taken out of the movie... I don't think anyone would have noticed or maybe even cared. I agree. Um, think I think Tom Hardy was just such a big name, and he still is, but he was such a big name then. Um, the casting him in this kind of pumped it up. But in my honest opinion, I don't think they really needed Mad Max as as a supporting character, as a lead character. I I totally agree, and I I was kind of analyzing that throughout the movie as well. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking like, hmm. Why is why do I care about Max? Right. Why at any point is Max even relevant to me? Yeah. I feel like you couldn't have made this movie if you had called it anything but Mad Max. So it was it was kind of cursed from the start in my mind that they Fair. wrote a script that had nothing to do with the the character who's in the title. Mm-hmm. But you couldn't have made this movie without that character. Right. That makes sense. I think I might have been happier if they instead of saying it was like a reimagining, they would say like it's the same world or something like that. Yeah. Like spin off ish, I guess. Yeah. 
I don't think they needed to to have Mad Max as the main character. Yeah. I think yeah. it was very strong female cast to begin with and it ended with it and it did not deter from the movie for me at all. Um yeah. it just showed how good for me Charlize Theron is. <laughs> yes. Yeah. She killed I, that. <laughs> I will say so when the uh I'm going to call them concubines. Okay. When when, that's basically what they are when yeah. they were first revealed initially i was i was looking at uh the black girl and i was like why do i know that face that mm. face is so familiar like who is this and so i was like constantly running through my mind of like who is it is it this person is it this person mm. and then when the credits rolled and i realized it was zoe kravitz right. i was like oh because <laughs> i love her i think she's fabulous mm-hmm and I just want to point out that her character's name was Toast the Knowing. <laughs> it is like the greatest name ever. If I ever do a steampunk RPG, I'm naming my character Toast the Knowing. What a name. I honestly didn't realize just because of how the, the pace of the movie that they all had names, I guess. <laughs> yeah, they do all have names and you yeah. just don't always hear it. So like right. Nux, I didn't figure out his name was actually Nux for the mm. longest time. Right. Uh, I think I just called him dumbass a lot. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's kind of what he was the whole movie. He kind of (laughs) just stumbling along. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And again, it it showed a bit of the contrast between how strong the female characters were in this movie compared to, you know, the male characters. You really could have done without any male characters in this movie. Um, I mean, I feel that about most movies, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what i mean that, you know it's, it's no hard. no no. i'm mostly being facetious because just <laughs> you wait until we get to um the big short oh boy <laughs> uh anything else you want to say about mad max um i think Charlize theron should have won did she win she didn't win uh best actress did she? i do not believe she did i don't think she was even nominated that's what i'm best. going to double check that <laughs> oh, that's, I'll that's look up who <laughs> I will look up who actually won that that year. No, she was not nominated. And that's... I and I think that's the hubris of of Hollywood of the Academy that they're like, "Oh, well, it wasn't a serious role, so you can't you can't uh, be nominated for best actor." Mm-hmm. And I guess, which is... I guess that's another another thing. You don't usually well, from my point of view, you don't usually see movies like this nominated for a best picture that's yes and i think uh my interpretation is that they were there was like the brief period of time where the oscars were like trying to reach out and say like Mm -hmm. oh we are um we we do consider other films and we do we're not just talking about dramas and stuff like Mm -hmm. that but the number of times that you see a you see a comedy nominated for best picture Right. Like, it just doesn't happen. No, you rarely see it. It's always dramas. Yeah. So, uh, no, unfortunately, Charlize Charlize (laughs) Theron was not nominated for Best Actress. Uh, Brie Larson, Kate Blanchett, Jennifer Lawrence, Charlotte Rampling, and Cherche Ronan were all nominated. And Brie Larson won. Okay. I could see that. Well, Well, all right. the fact that she didn't even get nominated. Yes. Like that, that hurts. You know what? With that, let's go into room. That's a good segue. Hey, (laughs) it it worked out actually fairly well to the, 
uh, Brie Larson award winning. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Room. Room. I. <laughs> um, oh yeah. Okay. I'm going to do the info first and then yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll chat about it. Sounds a lot good. to talk about here. <laughs> so. Room is an independent drama film. It was released September 4th, 2015 at Telluride Festival. Uh, it is produced by Ed Geeney and David Goss. The screenplay is, ba- is by Emma Donahue, based on her book of the same name. It was directed by Lenny Abrahamson. It was starring Brie Larson, Jacob Tremblay, Joan Allen, Sean Bridgers, and William H. Macy. Music by Stephen Rennix, cinematography by Danny Cohen, edited by Nathan Nugent, and it runs 118 minutes. It was nominated for Best Director, Best Actress, and Best Adapted Screenplay. Obviously, it only won Best Actress, Mm -hmm. as we just discussed. So, uh, the, the synopsis of Room. A woman is, she lives in a single room, apparently a shed with her five-year-old son, and she has been in captivity for seven years. And the first third of the movie is her and her son experiencing their day-to-day in this room under her captor, who they call Old Nick. Eventually, Joy, played by Brie Larson, finds a way to get her son out of the room and he manages to make an escape, get help. And eventually they are both rescued. And the last third of the movie is about the two of them healing together and learning to live outside of the room. It's kind of implied that this happens, that the whole, the course of the movie takes place over about a year Mm -hmm. because the son does not get to have another birthday. Um, And a significant portion of that healing period is is Jack learning to live amongst people because he is effectively a feral child. He's only ever known two people in his life. Mm -hmm. And for Joy to deal with the pain and the struggle and the judgment and the questioning on her part. So... I, 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 uh, okay. I feel like you have a lot to say about this. Movie. I do have a lot to say about this movie and I'm, I'm going to try to be concise about it. I, I do very little research about the movies before I watch them so that I can go in a little bit fresh. I mm-hmm. will generally look up, uh, just kind of like the brief IMDb synopsis. Sure. And when I saw a woman, a woman is held captive for seven years in a room and her five-year-old son lives with her and it's about her escape. I was like, Ugh. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to handle this because I am a very emotional person. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, full disclosure, I smoked a bowl and leafed through the book. It just happened to be in the house that I'm house sitting at oh, nice. and was like, oh, no. Oh, oh no. What have <laughs> what I done? Yeah. What a state of mind to be in. <laughs> exactly. So I quickly put that down. Um, and then I, I called a friend of mine and I said, like, can you please come watch this movie with me? I'm just worried that it's going to like really upset me and I'm just going to be alone and feel sad, blah, blah, blah. Right. So, uh, fortunately I did have someone with me while we watched it. That's good. And 
I was not expecting there to be so much outside of the room, Mm -hmm. which was really nice for me. Just again, as an emotional person, I was like, oh, I don't have to, I I don't feel so uh, claustrophobic about it. Right. Mentally claustrophobic. There's like, oh, they made it out. They survived. Mm -hmm. So that was, I was very nervous about it for a while. And now I'm like, it's good. I'm glad I watched it. (laughs) There's a ship. (laughs) I would not have nominated it for best picture. Interesting. Mm -hmm. How did, Uh, how did you enjoy this movie? Did you watch this one? I did. So okay. this was, uh, so Brooklyn and Room were the two that I watched most recently. Mm-hmm. And Room I watched, I think, maybe two days after uh, you reached out to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I knew a little bit about this movie, um, kind of going into it where, you know, it's, it's someone who's captive in the room. But kind of like you, I did not know that there was going to be so much spent outside of the room. Mm-hmm. The subject matter was incredibly heavy right at the right from the get-go just to try to imagine yourself in either of their shoes um at the beginning was really oh god um when i when i watched it and then when it started to get to a bit of a climax where she came up with the idea of pretending that her son died Mm -hmm. essentially getting old Nick to be like, you know, you need to take the body out and yeah. And I can't be in the, the room with my son sort of thing. For me, that was just so heavy and heartbreaking. Um, but like, I was glad that, you know, that it was resolved. They were able to escape, but then it was just so intrigued as like, how is, how is Jack going to be able to, I guess, essentially grow up from, you know, square one now. Mm-hmm. He's been alive for five years and all he knows is, you know, room. a room. <laughs> um, no, 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 room. Oh, room, right. <laughs> they they all have names and they are all uh, sentient beings within That's his mind. Right. Um, and just, just seeing, you know, how he really only, you know, knew of things in, in just a small-minded way. Like the whole TV thing. You know, it's like every everything on the TV is just in the TV. It's not real or or whatnot. And then, you know, having having grown up since birth, knowing that, and then leaving room, and then Joy having to explain to him the actual, I guess, truth behind a lot of these, yeah, sentient items are just, you know, everyday things. They don't have feelings and all that. And for me, that was such a such a crazy like mindset yes so i am gonna get a little bit deep for a second sure <laughs> this movie how... does call for that so. <laughs> i know right um how familiar gates are you with the allegory of the cave uh little to none okay <laughs> have, have you at least like you know what i mean when i say that or i've heard of it i've not gone into any sort of depth into it that's totally fine very familiar. Yeah, so the the brief explanation of the allegory of the cave, it was a um it it's also known as Plato's cave because it's it was created by Plato and the idea is that there are people who live in a cave lit by a fire behind them. They only ever face the back wall of the cave. They've never seen any other 
part of the world and everything that they know is represented in shadows on the back wall of the cave. Mm -hmm. So you can hold up a chair, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything to them because they wouldn't recognize it as a chair. Right. And the people can give names to these objects that pass in front of the fire and cast these shadows. Okay. But if you turn them the other way around, then they learn what the true world is and how to understand that these shadows were not the objects, but merely representations of the objects. Oh, wow. So Jack's journey is very much the allegory of the cave. Interesting. Whether whether that was intentional or not, I don't know, but it's that's like I was I got partway through and both Tom and I went, Oh, hang on. Mm. This is this is Plato's cave. <laughs> it's very fascinating to see how they both deal with that and how they adapt in their own ways. And honestly, it was such a good thing that Joy got Jack out at the time that she did because yeah. Uh, the doctor's right. Jack is still plastic. I mean, Jack is real. He's not plastic, but elastic. I think elastic is a better way to put it because he can still adapt and mold to new ideas. Right. He's still learning, right? He's still in that, yeah. that formative stage as a, as a child. So, And let me tell you, my nephew is five. Mm -hmm. Jack reminds me so much of my nephew. I honestly was on the verge of just calling my sister and being like, can you hug him for me? <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about the set decoration in this movie. Sure. Since that's a very crucial part. Yes, absolutely. You can really tell that that, that room has been lived in. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, but also not cared for and not necessarily cleaned. Because I'm, mm -hmm. I'm sure they aren't given the option to clean. No. The, the fact that old Nick only goes out for groceries like once a week. Mm -hmm. And then shows up and, you know does yeah. things <laughs> um it, yeah, i know just, rape is a hard yeah. word but yes it is it, yeah um again the so heavy the, yep. the it was just so hard to just envision you know their, their situation but yeah you bring up a good point it's definitely it shows that it's been lived in but it's not cared for um you can you can tell that you know she's really just looking out for for jack at this point and room is just there because they're they're stuck in it essentially. And I, I read into it a little bit. Maybe that's there. Maybe it's not, but I read that desperation of, I'm only going to be here for a short time. I'm going to be able to escape. Mm. And then the switch to, Oh my God, like I'm pregnant. I have a child now. I have to raise this child in this room. So how do I do that? Right. And I, I give full credit to Joy Newsom. She is doing great as a mom considering oh the trauma she is under mm -hmm, absolutely if we if we had to watch her journey from the very beginning when jack was born oh. man i <laughs> i don't think there would I could, be a lot more tears yeah i don't think i can make it through the movie in all honesty. absolutely so it's good it's good when they the the timeline that they decided to yes. showcase the movie this is another movie where the music really didn't play a huge part i did not notice it mm -hmm. which again is both good and bad like no, sure. i think this is the appropriate time that Okay, I didn't notice the music. That's fine. I think for me, when it comes to the the music, um, I noticed it the most when they were looking, like, w during moments of kind of just reflection. I think the most prominent one was when they were, you know, I think just looking up at Skylight, 
and there was um there was a bit of music there i, I thought it uh it, it gave a little bit of hope um mm-hmm. to to their situation if if you know we at that point you didn't really know if they were going to make it out or not and it kind of gave you know there's this there's this glimmer of of hope and you know you should still continue to root for their their survival and their escape i guess um so i think that in those moments it stood out for me um and i, I think it's just because you know you're you know they're reflecting on their situation and you know again you're trying to envision yourself in their mm-hmm. their shoes and all that um so yeah i think that's when it stuck out for me the most but i i do agree with you um on the whole that yeah the, the music was not necessarily the like needed or a focal point or anything it didn't necessarily drive the narrative it was very very story-based which yeah is a good thing yeah and and that's fine like i again i don't think i would have nominated this for best picture i i mm-hmm. feel i could be completely wrong who cares I feel that this is one of those movies that got nominated because somebody said, oh, this is such deep drama. We like we have to. And because it's an independent, right. like, oh, look at us. We're we're taking in the independence. And I just sit here and I'm like, eh, it's <laughs> it's good. It's a great movie. I just want to give a quick shout out to the fact that it was shot in Toronto. Yes. Um, I, did you notice when they look out the hospital? It's the Don Valley Parkway. I did. I was like, that looks familiar, but I can't. I, I couldn't, couldn't put my finger on it at the at the time. But when I did research after the movie, I was like, the heck, they they filmed this in Toronto, and yeah, it was, it was very familiar. Let's move on to something just a little bit lighter. Sure. Not by a significant amount, because I want to <laughs> talk about The Martian. Okay, perfect. Which you have not seen, right? I have seen this. Okay. What? Yeah. I don't know why I'm like, did is this the one you watched? No, it's not the one you. <laughs> We're narrowing it down, though. The list is getting we're, smaller. We're getting so there. <laughs> at one point, you're going to be like, this movie is like, haven't seen that one. <laughs> you're like, oh, okay. So far, you're four for four. So Great. <laughs> okay. So, The Martian is a science fiction survival drama film because we need more buzzwords. Yes. <laughs> it was actually released first at TIFF, the Toronto International Film Festival, on September 11th, 2015. Okay. It was produced by Simon Kinberg, Ridley Scott, Michael Schaefer, and Mark Huffman. It was written by Drew Goddard, based on the book The Martian by Andy Weir. It was directed by Ridley Scott, starring Matt Damon, Jessica Chastain, Jeff Daniels, Kristen Wiig, oh crap, Chiwetel Ejiofor? Yeah, that's I think that's, very wrong. That's I pretty feel, close. I feel terrible because I love him as an actor. <laughs> Sean Bean, Michael Pena, Kate Mara, Sebastian Stan, A- Axel Henney, Mackenzie Davis, Donald Glover, and Benedict Wong. The music is by Harry Gregson Williams. Cinematography by Darius Wolski. Edited by Pietro Scalia. And it runs 141 minutes. It was also, it actually got nominated for quite a few things. Did not win a single award. Oh man, I didn't read, I didn't know that. <laughs> so Matt Damon was nominated for Best Actor. It was up for Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Visual Effects, Best Production Design, Best Sound Editing, and Best Sound Mixing. Uh, which is too bad because it, it did very well, but 
again, mm -hmm. in this particular group of movies, it just didn't it was stand overshadowed. Out. It was overshadowed Absolutely. for sure. So the plot of The Martian, a astronaut is accidentally abandoned on Mars when his crew is forced to uh, scrub or abort their mission. And he manages to survive, I think it's something like four years mm -hmm. on Mars by himself. He is able to get communication back up with NASA. And eventually he is able to meet up with his crew again. They commit mutiny and go back to get him. <laughs> That's essentially it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. Like, it's, it's, it's full-on mutiny because they were told, you are mm -hmm. not doing this. And then they said, fuck you. F that. We're going back for him. <laughs> yeah. Um, before we start on the discussion, I did not realize how star-studded this cast was. <laughs> I know, right? Con considering it's based around essentially one botanist. I know. And everyone else is a supporting actor. It's like, man, these names are wild, you know? <laughs> They're strong. These are some A-list actors, actors and actresses. I remember when it came out, and I don't know if this was everybody or if it was just me, I remember hearing that, like, how is it going to do well? Because it's just about one person. It's just mm -hmm. Matt Damon. And then I watched it. and I was like, oh, this is like a full story. And then right. I read the book afterwards. Mm. Which I will tell you, the movie is basically one-to-one -one with the book. Yeah. I, so I read the book beforehand. Okay. Uh, my friend is, well, I'm part of a book club. And my friend was like, oh, this movie's coming out. We should probably so watch it. Yeah, we should we should read the book. So we read the book and yeah, at first I was a little intimidated with the amount of science in the novel. I was like, this is crazy. You know, I'm not the biggest like, I love science, but I'm not into the the technicals of all of it. Um and then, you know, you watch the movie and then you start to see some of these things come to life. You're like, okay, I can start putting, you know, things together. You know, and so it's a good thing that I was able to you know, read the book and get some sort of, I guess, you know, background as to what the hell's happening. Yeah. Um, the nice thing is that the movie does not expect you to understand any of the science. Yes. Um, it's nice that they have a couple of those characters in there where it's like, I forget precisely what her name was, but the PR woman. Mm -hmm. uh, her name is not Mackenzie Davis. I don't okay. Oh, Kristen <laughs> Wiig. Oh God. <laughs> See, Kristen Wiig is one of those actors that I have no idea who she is until you tell me that's Kristen Wiig. And I'm like, what? And you're like, oh, okay. Uh, Annie, Annie Montrose. Like she would ask questions because she she's not a scientist. She has no understanding. So she would yeah. ask these like presumably dumb questions. And I go, Well, I was asking the same question, so thank you. <laughs> so she was basically our I guess, you know, the layman character, the one yeah, that... Yeah, our, our foil, as it were. Exactly. She was. We were living through her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I freaking love this movie. It was a great movie. When you said Spotlight was one of your favorite movies of all time, and I looked at the list, I was like, The Martian is one of my favorite movies of all time. <laughs> um, again, I don't think it needed to be nominated for Best Picture. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm glad that it was, but I I kind of feel like this is one of those like tip of the hat. Oh yeah, look what we nominated. Mm -hmm. But it's 
The story is great. It engages you right from the beginning. Exactly. It, it literally transports you to another planet. Every member of this cast is just an all-star. Like, mm-hmm. I don't care that Sebastian Stan has, I don't know, 50 lines over the entire movie. <laughs> I want to know what he's thinking. Mm-hmm. I, I care every step of the way. And I mean, it is supposed to be like just barely the future. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hard to say, is any of this actually possible? And I, I don't care. I don't care if it's possible because it does exactly what science fiction should do. It should, it makes me want to look at the stars and go to space and yeah. explore. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. I remember even, even after reading the book, it just, it just piqued my interest again into, you know, into space and all that. And then watching the movie and just getting these amazing visuals of, of Mars. And then I love the, um, like the, uh, the video, like, like vlogs that he was putting yes. together essentially. Um, and then you see like what soul he's on, right? What, what day essentially that, you know, how much time has passed yes. and you just, you're always just left wondering because it's, it's one of those situations that just does not seem winnable. Mm-hmm. Um, it just seems impossible. And you know, he, he's, he comes off so confident right at the beginning. Oh, I'm a botanist. I'll be able to figure all this out. I can, you know, yeah. I'll be able to produce food for the next four years it's based yeah, on. Yeah, I have to be able to feed myself. But guess what? I'm the botanist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're like, well, you don't usually see the botanist get featured. in. It's in usually movies, like the right? engineer, right? Or the captain or just a, yeah. an entire crew. And I found that so interesting that, um, you know, it would, you, you'd, you'd see, you know, Watney's journey. Mm-hmm. And then it would. You, you see how the the rest of the crew when it jumps to their to their ship it's like okay they're they're trying to figure out the one problem of how are we gonna get him back mm-hmm. if you, you you contrast that with him and he's like i don't have one problem i have a billion yeah and i have no idea that you guys are like trying to come back for me at, at this point i'm just trying to survive so i thought that was a very very like cool way of 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 doing you know of, of the movie essentially um and but like like you said it's just you know you're you're on the edge of your seat and it just makes you you know want to explore more like as soon as the movie ended i was like i'm all about this this yeah. life right i'm going to be an astronaut i'm going to be <laughs> i'm going to strand myself on mars and i'm going to grow potatoes in my poop essentially <laughs> it, yeah it was oh Yes, I'll, very well put. I clearly don't have anything to add to that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I I just want to shout out Vincent Kapoor. Uh, oh God, Chiwetel Age of Four. Again, certain I'm saying his name wrong. That's pretty he, good. <laughs> I know. I I say it with some amount of confidence, so I sound like I know what I'm doing. As long as you sound confident, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, from the first time I watched this movie. Vincent Kapoor was my favorite character just right mm-hmm. off the bat. I don't know what it was. He was just so relatable. And then he pulls out Project Elrond. <laughs> and... What is this? <laughs> what does this mean? You know, the secret <laughs> council where they decide to. And Sean Bean in the background going like where they decide to go into Mordor to take the mm-hmm. ring to Mordor. I'm like, hmm, you wouldn't know anything about that, Sean Bean. 
did did a small part of you think that he was just going to die just because it's a Sean Bean I, thing to do? I thought movies? they were going to make a <laughs> the Sean Bean <laughs> thing to do. I thought they were going to make like maybe a bigger deal, like a, a bigger wink to the audience of like, oh, we know, we know this is Boromir. <laughs> just make it super blatant and then move on. <laughs> and a secondary shout out, shout out, shout out to Teddy Sanders for coming up with the most obscure elf in the entire fucking Lord of the Rings <laughs> mythology. I want to be Glorfindel. Dude. <laughs> like, I know who Glorfindel is, but I also thought it would be cool to teach myself how to write in Elvish. Elvish. <laughs> and I did. I taught myself. I was very good at it. Wow, well done. <laughs> and and then I got friends. Um <laughs> Oh no! I am a hundred percent that nerd in my parents' basement. <laughs> you're one hundred percent that geek, and you're amazing for it. Don't oh, ever change, please. Don't. I promise. Good. <laughs> yeah. So, The Martian, a delightful movie. Maybe not. I, I think lined up with the other movies that came out this year, I don't think it was of the same caliber. Much like Room, it was just overshadowed. Yeah. But this again. Yeah, this is one of those movies that could have come out out like outside of award season and would still have done just as well um, at the box office. Yeah. I, th I think it did very well at the box office. It, it grossed six six $630 million. Yeah, That's not bad. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> not bad. Not bad for uh, a movie that did, that did not win Best Picture. So. <laughs> I know, right? And they got another five ninety nine out of me because I got very angry at um, the Xbox I was trying to watch the DVD on, so I just bought it on YouTube. Oh, there you go. This is, I think, out of all of these and the the, the two movies that I did not watch, I think The Martian is a movie that I want to rewatch again. Yes. I think, I think having only watched it twice, once for sure, but it, it for me it deserves a lot more, like from me anyway it, it, it's one of those movies that you can rewatch and just be satisfied when they come out with a like anniversary special edition i will buy it 100 and i'll borrow it from you <laughs> yes <laughs> we'll have a movie, we'll have a socially distant movie night perfect that works for me all right so we've got uh three movies left we've got four movies oh god four movies yeah four yeah this is <laughs> This is my 1997 episode all over again. <laughs> so we have The Revenant, Bridge of Spies, The Big Short, and Spotlight. What do you want mm -hmm. to talk about next? Um, Let's talk about a movie that I haven't seen. Okay. Uh, let's talk about Bridge of Spies. Ooh, good, because I so, love this movie. So I'm surprised. Well, here, I'll let you do the... Uh, yeah, the, uh, I'll do all our info, and then we'll chat about perfect. it. So Bridge of Spies is a historical drama film. It was released October 4th, 2015. It was produced by Steven Spielberg, Mark Platt, Christy Maxco, Maxco Krieger, written by Matt Charman, Ethan Cohen, and Joel Cohen, directed by Steven Spielberg, starring Tom Hanks, Mark Rylance, Amy Ryan, and Alan Alda, music by Thomas Newman, cinematography by Janusz Kaminski, edited by Michael Kahn, and it runs 141 minutes as well. So the synopsis of this movie... Oh, no, hang on. I do awards first. <laughs> so 
sorry, I like didn't make the best notes this time around, but that's okay. That's okay. You got your format. So. Yeah. So it was nominated for Best Supporting Actor, which was Mark Rylance, Best Original Screenplay, Best Original Score, Best Production Design, and Best Sound Mixing. The only one that it won was uh, Mark Rylance won Best Supporting Actor. Okay. So the overview of this film, supposed Soviet spy is put on trial in 1957 and an insurance lawyer is tasked to defend him. And that lawyer, James B. Donovan, unfortunately takes it a little too far. Nobody thinks that he should be defending him properly, just merely adequately. Eventually, Donovan foresees the idea that perhaps someday there will need to be a prisoner swap and that day comes when a air force pilot crashes in soviet territory while the berlin wall is going up and an american student gets trapped on the wrong side of the wall donovan is sent to negotiate the prisoner prisoner exchange and because he is full of hubris he manages to negotiate the exchange of not only the air force pilot for the Soviet spy, but also for the American student who was trapped on the wrong side, mm, okay. which I just want to point out, he was absolutely negotiating between two completely separate governments, <laughs> acting <laughs> like so they were the cool. same. Oh, geez. Wow. <laughs> yes. I, I'll let you say what you're going to say, and then I can, I'll, I'll be brief with my uh, discussion of this film. Okay, perfect. So... I love movies like this, you know, historical type movies. And I just love Tom Hanks as an actor. Dude, same. I, I love historical movies and also Tom Hanks is amazing. Yeah. Like, so it blows my mind that I can't believe I haven't seen this movie. I remember when it first kind of like dropped, like a commercial or how I first heard about it or whatever, mm-hmm. that I was like, hey, I need to watch this movie because it's right up my alley. I'm going to enjoy it. And... I think the the reason why I never got around to watching it is because I usually watch movies like this with my my dad and we just could not find the time while it was in theaters to mm-hmm. to watch it and by that point it kind of just fell by the wayside and to be honest I completely forgot about this movie <laughs> um so I'm super glad that I was able to revisit I guess this year all these nominees for best picture. And I'm, you know, I I was, I wasn't surprised even though I haven't even seen the movie that it was nominated for best picture because I mean, it's Tom Hanks. How could you know? (laughs) um, I'm very much looking forward to seeing this movie in the very near future. Um, And the, the plot just sounds intense (laughs) already. It is. So So, uh, that's all I have to really say about it. (laughs) So, this movie, to me, uh, this this came out at a time when I was watching a lot of this type of movie and reading a lot of these types of books. Mm-hmm. I think, I feel like this was just after I went to Germany as, like, a university student when I, when I did that trip with Kathy. Right. Um, our, our mutual friend. And... I like really got into looking at Checkpoint Charlie and exploring East and West Berlin and things like that, which mm. inspired me that I would like to live in Berlin. Still want to. Toronto's a good start. 
Um, <laughs> uh, about halfway, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it doesn't require a visa. That's the big thing. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this for this movie for me, it, it kind of it got muddled up with a couple other movies in my memory. But of course, I rewatched it this week and I forgot how slow it can get mm. and also how fast it can get because the end is like there's just things happening every other scene. There's so wow. much going on. Huh. Whereas the the first part of the movie, it's you don't really know where this is going to go. It kind of like takes its time to get to the point. Sure. I I really do love this movie. Not as much as I love The Martian. I'll be <laughs> honest. <laughs> but this one definitely has a very special place in my heart. It's it's very of its time. It works very hard to be historically accurate. Mm. And I, I'm trying not to like spoil too much of the fun parts of the movie, but I will tell you at one point, Tom Hanks gets accosted by East German street thugs (laughs) and his jacket gets taken because like a fool, he wore a jacket from Saks fifth Avenue into East Berlin. You're getting jumped, bro. <laughs> a place where they barely had functioning cars. Right, exactly. <laughs> but that jacket is more than their entire livelihood, you know? <laughs> 100%. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow, okay. Yeah, like, for me, I don't know. I don't remember a lot of hype um, around the movie when it, uh, when it first came out. But for me, like... I was just so intrigued and I think I just wanted to enjoy this experience with my, with my dad um, just because I know we could have had very good discussion afterwards. You know, uh, while I have a, a, a very keen interest with a lot of this, you know, historical background, my dad is like times 10. Mm-hmm. Um, he loves this, this kind of stuff. You know, I like having conversations with him. It's like 50% like good fatherly advice and 50% is historical war stuff i'm like (laughs) all about this like you've gotten me hooked on it and i really hope that you know it it shows up on like netflix otherwise i'm just going to end up renting it on youtube legitimately get it from the library oh see sometimes you don't even like you you, you completely forget that these are options (laughs) i i totally forgot that the library was an option for most of these movies that i've been trying to watch but uh it also was closed so (laughs) it's only been in like the last week that i've been able to like get them from the library yeah and i'm sure once i get a hold of it i will be like dad sit down we're watching this movie and we're going to talk about it after absolutely all right let's talk about the other movie you did not see yes which was the revenant oh god okay good this means i can keep it short (laughs) yeah and you don't have to listen to me rail about it okay perfect i mean you could (laughs) oh that'll be a bonus episode that's two hours long (laughs) it's It's as long as the movie (laughs) oh man all right (laughs) okay here we go the revenant or as i like to call it travel alberta the movie (laughs) is an epic Western action-adventure drama film. I hate when there's too many adjectives. <laughs> it was released December 25th, 2015. Uh, so just getting in right under the wire to right. be nominated in right that year. There. 
It was produced by Arnon Milchan, Steve Golan, Alejandro G. Inyaritu, Mary Parent, or Perant, Keith Redman, James W. Scotchdopel. Scotchdopel? <laughs> Look, this name is spelled S K O T C H D O P O L E. Yeah. I, yeah. I think you got it. I think you got that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, the screenplay was by Mark L. Smith and Alejandro Inaritu. It's based on The Revenant by Michael Punk. It is directed by Alejandro Inaritu. It is starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Tom Hardy, Dom Nall Gleason. I always get his name wrong. <laughs> and Will Poulter. The music is by Ryuchi Sakamoto and Alva Noto. Cinematography by Emmanuel Lubetsky. Edited by Stephen Mirione. And it runs 156 minutes. It was nominated for quite a few things and actually did, it won a few. So it set the record this year for most number of nominations. It was nominated for 12 uh, yeah. awards. So obviously best picture. All of these obviously best picture. Yeah. <laughs> best director, best actor, best supporting actor for Tom Hardy. Best Cinematography, Best Costume Design, Best Sound Editing, Best Sound Mixing, Best Makeup and Hairstyling, Best Visual Effects, Best Film Editing, and Best Production Design. Uh, it won Best Cinematography, and this this was the year that Leo got his Oscar. Did it. <laughs> he did it, finally. Uh, not deserved, in my opinion. <laughs> All right, so here's the plot. Hit me with it. A scout who has a indigenous child like it's his biological son so he's a halfie okay uh is mauled by a grizzly bear and is near death the group he is traveling with attempts to save him multiple times eventually the crappy one in the group kills his son tries to kill him and abandons him the the main character dicaprio's character goes on a spiritual and physical journey to try and heal and rehabilitate himself in order to get revenge on the man that abandoned him. And do you want me to spoil it? Yeah. <laughs> he does it. He gets revenge. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Don't watch the movie. Perfect. I, I, and I always feel so bad when I have such negative reactions to a movie, mm. but it, this, this movie is incredibly weak on story. And I, I don't fault movies for being weak on story, but this one is just like, I don't care about any of the characters. They don't give me a reason. There mm. are no stakes as far as I, as a viewer, am concerned. Okay. Uh, Tom Hardy's character is unlikable from the start, which is the point that he's supposed to be unlikable, but right. it just to the point that I question why they were putting up with him. Mm. And... Gates, you know this. I used to work at Heritage Park, yes, uh, which is a historical village. And I, for a very long time, was very immersed in Western frontier culture and history yes. and knowledge. Absolutely. You were all about that, for sure. This movie just represented everything that people romanticize and imagine is mm -hmm. would have happened. But there's absolutely no way. A man gets mauled by a grizzly bear. His party is not going to try to haul him halfway across a mountain 
to try and save him and then give up on him, they mm-hmm. would look at him and go, the pitiful thing for us to do is to shoot him in the head and yeah. get it over with, which it. they attempt to do multiple times and nobody does it. <laughs> is there like a discussion and then it just ultimately leads nowhere? Or <laughs> it, So Domhnall Gleeson is the leader. He's the captain okay. of this expedition party. So they're all, they're uh, fur trappers. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're trying to get furs back to the fort so that they can, you know, make money. Right. And uh, Gleason, he, he, his, character tr- his character just doesn't want to give up on Hugh Glass, which is the name of DiCaprio's character. Okay. He wants very desperately to save Hugh Glass and to make sure that he gets them all back. Like, he feels very indebted to Hugh mm-hmm. Glass, which is absolutely honorable and i appreciate it but like you you should have just killed him quite honestly you should have just shot him yeah, it doesn't there's, necessarily make sense yeah around <laughs> there's a secondary storyline where an arikara war party is trying to recover their chief's abducted daughter powaka okay and that story was so much more interesting <laughs> <laughs> but it got like not even i think it was like a fourth of the screen time oh and and the frustrating thing about that particular storyline is that you go through the whole movie and then you get near the end and you discover that the people who kidnapped the chief's daughter are the people that the chief is going to asking for guns and horses in order to catch the people that stole his daughter oh boy the the cinematography is absolutely beautiful honestly so many times i just wrote down fuck i love alberta because it's mm, so beautiful. Oh, some of, and some of those scenes, I was like, I know where that is. Oh man, see, and like a small part of me does want to watch the movie just because of that. Um, I feel like they showcase the the setting very, very well, and it really shows, you know, how how beautiful and amazing this province really is. I think if you go in with that plan, mm-hmm. you will walk away satisfied okay perfect all right let's talk about the big short okay perfect (laughs) excellent i'm just i'm ready to move on to something fun awesome (laughs) (laughs) totally it is (laughs) it is a biographical comedy drama film it was released November 12th, 2015 at the AFI Festival and received a wide release on December 11th, 2015. It is produced by Dee Dee Gardner, Jeremy Kleiner, Arnon Milchan again, and Brad Pitt. Arnon Milchan uh, also produced The Revenant. The screenplay was by Charles Randolph and Adam McKay. It was based on The Big Short by Michael Lewis. It's directed by Adam McKay, starring Christian Bale, Steve Carell, Ryan Gosling and Brad Pitt. Right? No, Ryan Reynolds. Am I losing my mind? That is Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling, yeah, yeah. I spent the entire movie being like, oh, this is such a weird choice for Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> now, now I'm trying to envision him in Ryan Gosling's role. I don't think, I think Ryan Gosling did a, yeah, okay. <laughs> to be totally fair, they're both Canadian Ryans, and I always get them confused. That's very true, 100%. <laughs> Music was by Nicholas Brittell, cinematography by Barry Aykroyd, edited by Hank Corwin, and it runs 130 minutes. Now, 
I, I cannot in any kind of efficient manner summarize this film. <laughs> the basic story is that, the, like, the basic explanation is that there are three different stories occurring all at the same time in the lead up to the 2007 housing market crash. There's Michael Burry, who is a hedge fund man manager who is able to anticipate this impending collapse. There are the Front Point Partners and Jared Vennett. Uh, Jared Vennett is in charge of securities trading at Deutsche Bank. And he, through a wrong number, allegedly, <laughs> connects him with the Front Point Partners. They are Mark Baum, Porter Collins, Danny Moses, and Vinnie Daniel. And then there are there's Brownfield Capital, which involves young investors Charlie Geller and Jamie Shipley, who eventually call in their former neighbor and sometimes friend Ben Rickert, who's <laughs> a retired former trader. Mm -hmm. So all of them are get involved in exchanging of capital and deals and funds in ways that make absolutely no sense to me, but <laughs> some of them make huge amounts of money while the American economy collapses. Yeah. Uh, this movie was nominated for best director, best supporting actor for Christian Bale, best adapted screenplay and best film editing. It won best adapted screenplay. Nice. So the big short, what do you think of it Gates? Okay. I love this movie. <laughs> yeah. I will be very honest with you. Um, you know, the with the housing market crash, it kind of happened when we were in high school, I guess, yeah. 07, yeah. 08. So I didn't really have the greatest, I guess, understanding of what was going on. Um, but 2008, or yeah, 2008 was the, um, the year Barack Obama was elected president. Yes. And um, one of the, his first major acts as president was to essentially bail out the country and i'm like well what the hell why why is he doing this yeah so um i really just kind of did the um the housing market for dummies like crash for dummies essentially <laughs> um just trying to figure out how how this whole thing kind of went down and when this movie came out i thought it was probably the best way to explain to the general public kind of what the hell happened. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought they they did it in a very interesting way. Like I love I love the 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 drama behind it. Like this is a real this was a real issue and it's very yep. recent and a lot of Americans can relate to kind of what happened. And we um, are still feeling the repercussions. Absolutely. We're gonna feel it for a while. But mm -hmm. I also loved kind of the comedic aspect that they put behind um, behind the movie. I thought, you, you know, Steve Carell just in general is this funny guy. And to see him yeah. in a dramatic role was a little shocking to me at first. But then yeah. you see he, he brought that character to life so, so well. It was just this this guy who was just so against what was going on. But because... Of the information that he had he really had no choice but to go along with shorting everything mm -hmm. shorting these bonds because at the end of the day he knew that he was essentially making money off of 
the mistakes of Banks. And you can tell that he felt incredibly guilty as the movie um, progressed. But at the end of the day, money makes the world go round. Mm-hmm. And you kind of just can't say no to to all of that. Um, and I, I love the uh, the little tidbits where they would bring in like a celebrity to uh, kind of explain to the audience, this is what this means. And I love it, that so much. <laughs> so, Gates, you have, did you finish your degree? I can't remember. Yeah, I finished with an econ degree. Yeah. Yeah. So you have an economics degree, yeah. which makes you more educated in that realm than me. <laughs> so those cameos were super helpful because I was like, oh, I understand now. Like, I'm I'm not about to go out there and attempt to start securities trading. Mm-hmm. But now I can go like, I I understand what's happening in the plot. So it was super helpful and very fun. Also, oh, yeah. I love Selena Gomez. <laughs> yeah. I just, I didn't, I, I love the way that they, they did that because there's so much that is, that can go over people's heads. Mm-hmm. And I love that they took the, the really, the, the meaty parts of what was going wrong and they essentially, you know, dumped it down for everyone to, to know. So at least they're, they're keeping up with, with the movie and mm-hmm. they're showing the kinds of mistakes that Wall Street um, committed to mm-hmm. get the country where it ended up in the world, yeah. the world economy essentially was on the verge of collapse. And I thought they yeah. was a very interesting and unique way of, of going about the the movie. And I love the, the whole like breaking the fourth wall too. Just I, I'm a the, huge fan of breaking the fourth wall when it's done well. And this was very, very good. Very well done. I also really loved all the, like the very rapid looks of, at, at different images. Mm-hmm. Yes. Do you know, you understand what I mean? Yeah, for like, sure. Oh yeah. They'd be talking about a concept and then you would see four or five images in a row of something related to that concept. Mm-hmm. And it just, it kind of emphasized the speed that the, that the story was moving at and yes. the, the excitement that was coming in with it. So I agree for sure. Yeah, yeah. It, it was just very creative in how it told the story. For sure, it 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 turned, it turned what can I guess essentially sound like a dull subject, like bonds trading, and turn it into something that is really, you know, has real world um, consequences, and it puts it in a way that people can relate to, um, and I think that was my only gripe with the movie is that <laughs> I would love to see someone just not benefit I guess like a perspective of someone who is either a big investment banker who bet everything on these bonds and then when the economy crashed you know they lose everything and you kind of get this like look I told you so moment or I think we we did get that a little bit with those two Florida investment bankers mm-hmm. where they're yeah. like at the job fair trying to get a job at Burger King yeah exactly um I would have loved to see a little bit more of a yeah. I guess a a meteor plot when it came to that or, yes. or even seeing a perspective of, cause they, they touched on it, which was, you know, pretty sad, but it showed a renter. They, mm-hmm. the uh, front point went down to Florida to really yeah. kind of see, you know, face to face kind of what is happening. Um, just to, you know, make sure that what they're getting into is the right thing. And they, they knock on this, this, uh, very pretty extravagant house. Yeah. And, uh, someone you don't necessarily think would live there opens the door mm-hmm. and you're like, Oh, 
okay, this is getting interesting. And then you realize that, you know, the the landlord essentially has ditched this guy and yeah. he'll be on the hook when, you know, um, all these these mortgages foreclose. Um, and you kind of just feel for a character like that. And I would have loved to see a little bit more story, I guess, from their perspective. But for me, I, the movie was just super well done. It was done in, like you said, just this fun kind of quirky way. And it, it really made you think about that situation a little bit more. Um, and I'm sure it got a lot of people, I guess, interested in, <laughs> in you know, securities trading and bonds and all that. So, <laughs> Yeah, and, and I think it's a really good perspective again for someone like me who who knows absolutely nothing who understands very very little it was mm-hmm. nice to have something so interesting and engaging to you at least give me kind of that peak of interest of like oh okay right. and um obviously as i'm watching these movies i'm watching them with a more critical eye than i would normally right. with the exception yeah. of the martian because i've seen it so many times i was like i'm just gonna enjoy this it's gonna love this movie <laughs> but i i was looking at like how does this character play out? How do they dress? How do they act? What is behind them? And I I don't know about you, but it just it was so two thousands to me. Yes. Like 100%. just everything. I'm like, oh this this is really nostalgic in like a good way. Mm. And also, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, holy crap. I loved I loved how they portrayed how Christian Bale portrayed Michael Burry. Mm-hmm. You know, this uh this like metal hardcore metal drummer with a glass eye you know who's also a doctor who's managing fund, (laughs) and just the fact that he would walk around like barefoot and all that and you just you just knew that he had this this optimism even though his entire his entire firm essentially was shutting down and you know it, it every time you would flash back to his portion of the story less and less employees would be working mm-hmm. that the the number of the, the the profit would be plummeting he'd be getting more and more angry investors and he stuck to his guns and i just love that that one email he sent to oh, that wow. one investor where he's like i've deposited 480 some million dollars into your account it's like you're welcome i'm like yo <laughs> what, a, yeah. what a drop eh? <laughs> yes absolutely Oh. I I wonder. I know nothing about Michael Burry as a human. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that even the actual character's or like the actual person's name? I don't I, know. I believe he was the only one that had his actual name being used. I know Mark Baum is a fictional interpretation of someone else. And I yeah, know Jared Brad- Jared Bennett is an interpretation of someone else as well. Yeah, so I think Michael Burry was the only, you know, semi-real <laughs> I guess character. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure that was his name. I really read into that character that he's on the autism spectrum somewhere because mm. uh, he was hyper fixated and not good with people and right. things like that. So I was just like, <laughs> oh, I wonder if that's an aspect of it. And even if it's not, Christian Bale played a character that I was able to understand and relate to Yes, yeah. in such a wonderful way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I I love this movie. <laughs> it's a great movie. It it is really very fantastic. Mm-hmm. The the whole time I was like, I don't want this to end. I know, I know it is one of those movies that like you know how it ends, mm-hmm. but you just don't care. Yeah, no, for sure. I I hundred percent agree with that. 
because it was so recent, you just felt like you could relate to it. And, you know, we were, you know, kind of growing up in that world too. It's like, oh, shit. (laughs) Well, and I do somewhat remember when this happened. Mm -hmm. I remember people talking about Wall Street investors who leapt out of buildings because they lost everything. Right, yeah. Um, I remember when we said we had to hold them accountable and we didn't. Mm -hmm. And absolutely no one was held accountable for what they did. And now they're able to just do it again. Yep, the government bailed them out. Let's talk about our last movie on the list, which yes. so when when I watched these movies, I watched The Big Short in the morning mm-hmm. and then I watched Spotlight the same evening. Okay. They the tones of the stories were very similar and the tones yes. of the movies were very similar. So it was it was kind of like a nice bookend for each other. Yeah, it wasn't like you were watching Pitch Perfect 2 and then Mad Max, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I uh, I did not experience that this this time around. <laughs> uh, not, a, not a recommended experience. I don't know what that <laughs> went. That was wild. But you had fun. That's what matters. Yeah, a great, great day. <laughs> Alrighty. So, Spotlight is a biographical drama film. It was released November 6th, 2015. It was produced by Bly Pagan Faust, Steve Golan, Nicole Rockland, and Michael Sugar. It was written by Tom McCarthy and Josh Singer. It was directed by Tom McCarthy, starring Mark Ruffalo, Michael Keaton, Rachel McAdams, Leah Shriver, John Slattery, Brian Darcy James, and Stanley Tucci. Music by Howard Shore. Cinematography by, I'm going to butcher this and I apologize, <laughs> Masanobu Taka. Takeyanagi, edited by Tom McArdle. It runs 129 minutes. It actually set its own record at the Academy Awards that year for being the best picture winning movie to have won the fewest number of Oscars since 1953. Yeah, very, very weird thing to be for it's that for sure it was nominated for best director mark ruffalo was nominated for best supporting actor rachel mcadams was nominated for best supporting actress it was also nominated for best original screenplay and best film editing and it it won best picture this was our best picture of 2015 it It also (laughs) it also won best original screenplay okay so those were its two awards that it won Oh, how am I going to sum this one up? This one, uh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It is the story of the team of investigative reporters who broke the scandal of the Boston Catholic Church priest molestations in 2001. So we follow the investigation to its first story. The, the release of its first story, even though the story in real life continued long after that. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, I think that's the gist yeah. of it. It's pretty, it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about Spotlight Gates. You said this is one of your favorite movies of all time, and I'd like to know why. So this is one of my favorite movies of all time. Kind of in the same vein as like The Big Short. I do like these kind of biographical movies. There was just something about it where you you see the amount of effort that they go through 
and they just keep getting like the door slammed in their face when it comes to trying to just bring the truth to light. And I think for me, that was the biggest, like my biggest, like positive about it is that when you see, like they just never gave up when it came to their, their job. And the, the subject matter that they were trying to uncover was incredibly tense. Like it's first of all, super heavy. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's also incredibly groundbreaking. Like this is something that could cement their legacy essentially. And it just kept getting pushed to the side, pushed to the side. And like you said, it, it's the, the movie kind of starts. I'm not, I can't remember the exact time that it starts, but it's like in the seventies or eighties. And then it's not until the Boston globe gets a, a new editor and literally his first like job or his first like interest pieces. Okay. This happened. I want to know more. And they put everything aside, um, to essentially just dig up everything they can. And for me, the best part about this movie was the acting. Mm-hmm. Um, every character played their part in my opinion to perfection. Yes. Just seeing, just seeing Mark Ruffalo, man, oh, <laughs> Uh, he, how I kept saying how Charlize Theron killed her part in Mad Max, Mark Ruffalo did this, maybe even more so in Spotlight. Mm-hmm. Just seeing how well the team worked, you know, they they each had their own assignments. I don't know. It's just it's just one of those movies. It's it was so hard to describe why I liked it so much. Mm-hmm. And I think out of all of these that were nominated, for me, it had the best balance. Yes. Yeah. The like, ensemble was out of this park. Yes. Out of this world. Absolutely. Um, I, I love the big short, but I just feel like the tone of Spotlight just fit it a little bit more. And it's just one of those movies. I like I was choked when this movie left Netflix. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I I and maybe maybe a part of me holds a soft spot for it because I'm so interested in journalism. It's something that I'm planning to go to school for mm. here, like in a couple months, really. Um, but, sort of maybe. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I just, I just hold what they do to such a high regard that mm. um, the subject matter, the acting, the way it was put together. I just, you know, I, I just love this movie. And I, in my opinion, I thought it deserved best picture after i watched it kind of yeah i may i might be spoiling my end i guess (laughs) question here that's okay in my opinion yes i i do believe that it was deserved just yeah just watching it but and i'll 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 get to that at the end (laughs) (laughs) we'll we'll talk more about that particular part but yeah i i wholly agree it much like the big short it was so 2000s to me and it was it was nostalgic in a good way. Like it felt I, we are just at that age where when we start looking at the two thousands, it just, to me, it feels very comforting. Yes, for sure. And so I really enjoy watching films that harken back to that time. Mm-hmm. And this was a story that I remember breaking. Like I remember when everyone, Oh my God, the priests have been molesting the children in Boston. Right. And I remember my reaction being, yeah, don't we make jokes about that all the time? Mm-hmm. So it was, it was one of those things that like everybody knew was happening, but nobody was 
talking about because we didn't know how to talk about it. Yes, exactly. Very touchy subject matter. Yes. And I, I do hope that this this movie helped at least a few people say, oh, I can talk about this. You are not right. going to be completely isolated and ignored. You are going to be accepted and understood. Mm-hmm. And people are going to try. So I do, I do hope that that happened. It told such a interesting story and it really took its time mm-hmm. to be build up and so we we followed every step of what was happening yes and where they were getting all their information how they were putting all the pieces together and things like that like i i have absolutely no idea how true it is Mm -hmm. but discovering the indexes or whatever they they are of all of the priests in the area and what parish they're attached to Mm -hmm. and what the what the assignments actually mean yes that was so fascinating Mm -hmm. i re like that just really picked it up for me yeah and you you bring up a really good point where yeah we're we're discovering along with them Mm -hmm. kind of the pieces of the puzzle and i remember yeah that was a moment and just anytime there were just these big reveals it it really just, you know, I, I caught myself, you know, sitting back in my chair, just being like, wow, yeah. like that, that's insane. Like that, you know, they're using different language to cover up essentially, you know, what uh, the, 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 the true motives were for these, these priests. Right. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, man, the, the amount of effort that it took to cover this thing up <laughs> just seemed unreal. And I'm just so glad that you know, this movie took the time to shed some, shed a spotlight <laughs> yes. on, uh, on, on not necessarily just that subject, but on how big groundbreaking new stories start to be discovered and how they, how they essentially come out from research to paper. So, yeah. Yeah. And I, I really enjoyed the way this movie kept up with us and kept us engaged and Mm -hmm. uh, again another stacked cast like just incredible numbers of people Mm -hmm. mark ruffalo blew me out of the water yeah like for for what i've i I don't even remember because i'm just very tired right now but like whatever i've said about any other actor this was the movie that just i did not expect to feel that way about an actor and about a character because I, I will be perfectly honest. I mostly know Mark Ruffalo as Bruce Banner. Fair. He's, yeah. That's he's my me. Hulk. He's my Bruce Banner and that's okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. But this movie really showed off his chops, really showed what he's capable of. And I am just so impressed because it's just incredible. He he did an amazing portrayal of, of that. I, it was incredible to watch. Yeah. I... Yeah, I don't I don't have a lot to say about this movie specifically because it's one of those where the pieces didn't come together in such a magical way. It not not the way that they did in Brooklyn or mm-hmm. in The Martian, but the story was so strong that even if there were other weak moments, like if there was a point where I'm like, "Oh, I don't really Well, uh, here's a good example. I don't know if I fully buy the idea that one of those treatment homes was like around the corner from one of the uh, journalist's house. 
I, mm-hmm. I have, I'm not so sure how I feel about that, but it, it doesn't matter how I feel about that because the underlying story is something awful is happening and we are, and, and people are talking about it and the conversation yes. is starting again. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it, it really is an incredible movie. So I understand why it's one of your favorite movies of all time. Mm-hmm. It's a great movie. <laughs> it's amazing. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to ask you a question okay. that I think we know the answer to. Yeah. Gates, what was your best picture of 2015? Okay. Can I answer this in two parts? Is that okay? Absolutely. Okay. You can answer so, it however you want, just preferably not interpretive dance because this is an audio medium. Perfect. Uh, you won't want to see that anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so when this initial list came out, I had only seen three of the movies. For me when the actual best picture was awarded, I thought initially it should have gone to the big short. Mm. Uh, just the way it was, the way they portrayed it, um, the comedy, um, the way they were able to explain everything, I thought, um, yeah, this is a movie that should have won it. Having watched everything else, I stand behind my pick of Spotlight, and I'm glad that it did win outright best picture for this um for this year so yes big short initially spotlight now until the end of time (laughs) (laughs) that's totally fair while i give my answer i'm gonna give you the second question which is is there another movie you would have nominated instead so you can you can think about that a little bit okay i i really struggle to tell you what my best picture was this year because there were mm-hmm. so many strong contenders. Sure. Um, what I, what I've been finding is that I'll have one or two movies that really, really stand out to me. Mm-hmm. And I go like, well, yeah, that's definitely what it's going to be this time around. I was more of a, like this movie, I would say shouldn't have been nominated, which is very difficult. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think for a, I, I, I'm such, I try to be such a subject, sub, uh, objective person, pardon me. Of course. Where I'm like, this is how everything goes together and this is how you make it work. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I have to go with what my heart feels and what I think truly was the best movie. Mm-hmm. And this was a surprise to me. I honestly think it's Brooklyn. Wow. I okay. think I would have given the award to Brooklyn. Yeah. The, the movie that I was very warm towards, mm-hmm. I think put all the pieces together drew me in this this was the one movie that for the entire time that i was watching it i forgot what was going on in the world i was truly transported to a different time Mm -hmm. not not just in the like oh my god i'm no longer living through the apocalyptic pandemic of 2020 but (laughs) i started watching it at eight in the morning next thing i knew it was 10 30 and i was like holy shit i'm out of a morning (laughs) this was what i this was all I was going to do this morning, but oh my God, I just, I watched the whole thing. I just didn't stop. Right. So I think that's for me, what a best picture means. It's a movie that does truly take you away. Yeah. And I wholeheartedly agree with you. So uh, do you have another movie that you would have nominated or? So I have, I have two movies. I've actually yeah. thought about this. It's kind of weird to think about because they're both movies that have, uh, persons of color as the the lead. Oh, interesting. And 
when I look at the the list of what was actually nominated, mm-hmm. you know, you kind of look at it and, you know, it's, for lack of a better term, it's a little whitewashed. Oh, 100%. <laughs> this was a very, very white year. Not that there's other years that are, like, significantly less white, but this one, oh. incredibly white. Yeah, for sure. And I thought both um, Creed... And straight out of Compton needed to have some sort of recognition, yes. not not solely based on the fact that it's got persons of color as leads, mm-hmm. but the, in my opinion, the criteria of a best picture were met by both of those movies. Mm-hmm. If you can get a movie like Mad Max on there, you know you can get a movie like Creed on there. Yeah, um, yeah. and if and yeah. Sorry. No, it's okay. And what what possibly could stop anyone from nominating a movie like Creed when you're when you're really I think we've both acknowledged Mad Max was a token nomination. Right. They did it because people pressured them to it. So why why couldn't Creed have that same backing? Yes. And in my opinion, Creed is definitely up there in this in this group. Um I really think they could have just added that movie in there. And Obviously, from this discussion, you know that I like these, you know, biopics. Yes. Um, so for me, the the way they portrayed Straight Outta Compton, I thought was just incredibly well done. The the acting, the portrayal, the story, um, I think warranted uh, a nomination. And if you're gonna if you're gonna go down, you know, subject matter such as, you know, you know, rape or or child molestation. You know, you can you can talk about growing up in the the streets of South Central LA, you know. Um, so for me, those two movies, I think warranted, yeah, a a nod at least, even yeah. even just one of them, um, I would have been satisfied. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where my my head is at when it came yeah. to looking at movies that were up for other awards but not for Best Picture. So. Yeah. So I, I've, I've been looking at the list of movies that were released in 2015. I'll be perfectly honest. I have not seen Straight Outta Compton, nor have I seen Creed. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I, they, that's the other thing. It's like there's so many movies that are just incredible that are I worth know. seeing. It's so hard to narrow down. I know. Down. <laughs> yeah, you got to find that time, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I can't speak to them specifically. Hmm. Honestly, looking at the list of things that came out in 2015, I do think that the movies that were nominated, the, what, eight of them that are here, mm-hmm. were some of the best of the best. Yes, I agree with uh, that for sure. And and I'm not going to say objectively these were the best movies, so that's what they had to be. Mm-hmm. But you can't tell me that Avengers Age of Ultron deserved a nomination. Right. Avengers Age of Ultron isn't, the, isn't even the best Marvel Universe movie. No, not it's by a long shot. <laughs> not in the top 10. So I'm not going to try to say like, oh, they should, if instead of Mad Max, they should have nominated. No, God, no. Mm, no, fair. Um, <laughs> but I do, I think that some years you have really, really strong movies. And I think other years you have less strong movies. And 2015 right. was a less strong year overall. Yes, I have to agree with that. Because like Divergent came out. Mm-hmm. The the second Divergent movies. 
Don't ask me how I feel about those movies. <laughs> you'll be here for another two hours. <laughs> so we've got uh, the Revenant podcast, and then we've got uh, yeah. the Divergent series podcast lined yeah. up now. <laughs> See, this is this is why we start podcasts, right? Because yes. we have opinions. <laughs> and we just we need people to hear them, even if it's one other person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining me, Gates. So much for having me. This was awesome. This was so fun. First of all, I miss us hanging out. We need to do this more, even if it's just over Skype. Oh, for sure. I'm in for that. And second of all, you are also a podcast host in your own right. So where can people find you? So uh, you can find me on both Twitter and Instagram at Two Meters Podcast. If you like a quick synopsis, it's just really... Me and uh, me and some friends, or me and one other friend, every week, just talking about you know our our past experiences in high school and university, and you know just having a casual conversation for an hour, and you know finding finding new things about our friendships that I may not have known over the past few years. So that intrigues anyone at Two Meters Podcast. <laughs> um, and I will say I. I started listening to your podcast and I think it was like, as soon as I listened to the first episode, I texted you. I was like, this is so good. Yeah. Um, (laughs) You are so thoughtful and intelligent with your questions and you have a narrative, but you're not afraid to go off the rails a little bit. And so it's, it's really a delightful hour every week. Thank you so much. Yeah. That means, that means a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that, that I started it and I'm super glad that you started this. Um, I think, you know, I, I message you, um, when you message me, I was like, this is right up your alley. You know, you're, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're so, you're such a good person to analyze these, you know, these forms of media and you're just, you know, such a, a great person to converse with. And I, and again, I just love the subject matter that, uh, that you've decided to go with. So, Oh, well, this has been a delightful circle jerk ending to the podcast. <laughs> you know, we got to we got to end it on a nice nice yeah. warm sentiment here. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening to Nominated. You can find the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at @nominatedpod. Next episode's movies will be the 2019 nominees. Parasite Ford v. Ferrari, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, 1917, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. If you enjoyed this episode's conversation with Gates, subscribe to the Two Meters Apart podcast. Also, let me know what you thought of a two-hour episode. Thanks for listening until the end. Welcome to Nominated. I am your host, Haley, and this week my gate my gaist. I like power watched all of them this week. Wild. I don't know how you so, did that. <laughs> literally, so I for three straight days I watched two movies a day. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's, well, that's the dream. Like I, I mean, you know. <laughs> like, dude, I went to work in between that. <laughs> ah, nice. <laughs> also, I wrote Turkey is the worst. I don't like turkey. Oh, man. Thanksgiving (laughs) sucks for me.